in the fragile substance of my soul And I have filled this void with things unreal And all the while my character is still you're listening to The Holy Catholic Group, a podcast looking at faith, life, and culture from the perspective of two young Catholics. My name is Lyndon Chan, and I'm an engineering master's student at the University of Toronto. And I am Jeremy Zhao, your co-host, currently a seminarian studying for the Archdiocese of Toronto. In this podcast, we look at different topics each week for contemplative reflections and casual conversations. Trying to brew the things we wish we'd known earlier in life into the strongest drink allowed for public consumption. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Holy Catholic Brew with me, Lyndon, your host. And today I'll be joined by our co-host, Jeremy, who is back from seminary, from retreat. We'll be talking about prayer today. We'll be talking about what it means to pray, what are some common misconceptions that people have about prayer, and what our own personal experience has been about prayer. Enjoy. Oh, Daddy, you soothe me with your smile. If I can make you see If there's been a fool around It's got to be me Yes, it's got to be me Why are you right when I'm so wrong? I'm so weak but you're so strong What you just heard was an excerpt from the song Oh Daddy by Fleetwood Mac. Isn't it such a wonderful song? Oh Daddy, you soothe me with your smile. You're letting me know you're the best thing in my life. Oh Daddy, if I could make you see, if there's been a fool around, it's got to be me. Yes, it's got to be me. I'm joined here via online call with Jeremy Zhao. So Jeremy, you're back from retreat now. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about how your retreat went? Oh, you mean this past weekend? Yeah, there was the one with Father Mike Gately, right? Oh, that that, that one was like two weeks ago. Yeah, like uh, (laughs) it was a very interiorly fruitful retreat. It really helped me understand like what priesthood really is about and you know, his, um, all Father Michael Gailey really talked about was um, uh, divine mercy and consecration of Mary. But he has such a rich understanding of all of like of those two topics, and like what it means just to deal with being like holiness in day to day life. That like um, after you finish hearing him speak, yeah, he's a dynamic speaker too. Like once you finish hearing him speak, you just can't help but be transformed just from like listening to like a few of his talks. And like um, yeah, it was really good. But he gave us like several books um for free of uh what you know, he talked about. So mm-hmm. it was it was just a great weekend. Yeah. Cool. Have you read his books before? Um I've did the 33 day uh, to morning glory. Yeah. And um I have he, uh, he's written another book that's called The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. 
That one is really good. Um, that was a, a lot of the content in that book is what his retreat was on. So if you, um, if you ever had a chance, like he also produced a 10 part documentary on the second greatest story ever told, which is a story of um, divine mercy and um, uh, well, like Fatima, divine mercy and like everything that happened within the last century, like of JP2 and all of that. And there's actually an amazing way that they all tie together. It's really like creepy, in it, but it's really cool. And like um, he did a 10 part documentary on it um, through Lighthouse Media. And so like if you ever have a chance to watch it, like take a look at it. Um, but if you don't, if you don't have a chance to watch it, his his book is just called "The Second Greatest Story Ever Told," and it has a Pope John Paul II on the cover. But it's really, really good. Cool. Thanks. All right. I think we should get started with the questions then. Um, so today's episode is about prayer, um, and this time around we have Jeremy, who is back with us um, from seminary, I guess, for a little while. Um, and since Jeremy is saying to be a priest, um, we thought to ask him a few questions about what prayer is, um, what he's learned about prayer over, um, I guess the course of his Catholic life and what he's learned, uh, since he's entered seminary. Uh, so the qu first question I want to ask you is, um, what is prayer? Can you like give me a definition? I think for prayer, I always just go back to the default of it's just whatever way that works best for you, where you could allow God to just look at you and love you. And then uh, you can allow yourself to look at God and love him. That's really it. So like, well, so whether it takes the form of like, just like um, sitting there silently um, or when you're walking, you know, outside, you're just suddenly very appreciative of everything that's around you. Like maybe the, the family that you see on the park bench or the breeze is just riffling through your hair or something like that. Or for some people, it's like, you know, the rosary. Like you, you always hear like um, people who are uh, very big um, Marian fans who um, will always encourage you to pray the rosary. But for, like, for them, that's how they allow themselves to be loved by God and how they, they themselves like love God back. And for some people, it's like, you know, doing scripture meditation. For other people, it's like saying divine mercy. For some people... It's just doing the praise and worship. So it's just, it's just whatever way allows you to just to let yourself be loved by God. And I think that's really what prayer is. That's just it. Mm, yeah, that's a, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so could you give us like a little overview of how your personal experience has been a prayer? Like, I guess, starting from when you can first remember yourself praying up, like up to the present day. Okay. Um, I, I think when I was a kid, I always just started off like um, my parents, uh, you know, taught me how to do Our Father, Hail Mary, Rosary, that type of stuff. And like, the, but the most praying I ever did when I was a kid was just saying grace before meals and then going to mass on Sundays. And it was, it, how would you say, um, in high school, I didn't exactly find prayer too attractive. Like I would, I would like say rosaries on Fridays because they happened at the, uh, the chaplaincy at like St. Roberts, right? But then, uh, which is the high school I went to, but then, um, uh, I never really enjoyed it in that like um, prayer to me, it was just like ranting off a ton of words or like rambling off a ton of words by like, saying as much as you can as possible. I, you know, of, like I had that because I come from a science background. I had the very much mindset of cause and effect. So like to me, I was like, if I say 10 Hail Marys, then like God will love me this much. And I would say 20 Hail Marys, God will love me a little bit more. Or like, if I say 30 Hail Marys, then I reach this new like level plateau. And then I've unboxed some type of bonus episode with bonus like things that God could end up giving me. And so, you know, um, but because it was such a chore to say, let's say like 30 Hail Marys or whatever in a row, um, prayer was like such a drag in high school. And um, how, how would you say uh, in university, I still carried that mindset a lot. 
but it started to change a little bit because like throughout high school and university, I went on a lot of youth retreats like Yosak or GT. And, you know, I discovered praise and worship and like a bit of, ador- you know, a bit of adoration, uh, uh, like very limited exposures of it. And then um, I've heard people say that, you know, prayer is just like, you know, uh, it, it can be like any way that you want to talk to God. So then um, I started switching over to doing divine mercy or just like, you know, rosary when I walk to school or, or just stuff like that. Uh, but I didn't really know why I was praying. I, I think like mainly, actually, no, I think I did. Uh, I think mainly the main reason why I prayed was just because I got, sometimes I got good peaceful feelings from it. And I noticed that there was a slight difference on the days when I did say a prayer and the days I didn't. So like on, on the days I do say a prayer, I was very much more at peace. And so just because it was a good feeling, like I would keep, you know, I would keep it up. But I really didn't know why else I was praying other than like trying to like get some type of good feeling out of it. And that was basically how I went through like all of university. Yeah. Cool. I think, yeah, I think for a lot of people, like their motivation is, you know, I want to pray and then I get some sort of peace, which I guess isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it needs to mature like in order to become like true prayer. Hmm. yeah and i think for myself i think um like i think the the maybe it's just the way that people are taught to pray it's not as personal because um i remember like um i think it was two years ago at like the juccc retreat like when father conrad fernandez was saying like most people they pray to god as though he was like some kind of statue and not as though you're communicating with a person and i think i guess in hindsight it seems really obvious but most people like myself included when when i prayed is kind of like um, it's you're you're communicating as though the the person you're trying to communicate with is another person, and I think that's yeah that's what's missing for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so I guess in my experience, people they tend to have either two kinds of prayer, like either they think that God will take care of everything for me, so I don't need to do anything, um, or I guess the opposite extreme is that you know I can take care of everything by myself, so why would I need to pray to God in the first place? Um, what would your response be to these people? To the first group of people, that God will take care of everything for me, so I don't need to try. Mm-hmm. Pe- uh, I think people have forgotten what the original point of their life is. In that, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that God made us in His image and likeness. But a lot of people always assume that image and likeness means that once God makes you in His image and likeness, boom, you're done. And like you know. Uh, you know, as the ones who made you, you're basically an image and likeness of God. It's, I think that's a very, that's, that's a very wrong catechetical understanding of that text. Um, over time, people just lost the original meaning of it. But like what we were learning at seminary is that when it says God made you, made you in his image and likeness, it's that when he created you from the beginning, he made you as, as a being to be loved. But the creation doesn't end the second you're come into existence. The creation continues throughout your entire life. So like throughout your entire life, you're constantly being made in the image and likeness of God. You're like slowly, day by day, like minute by minute, moment by moment, becoming more and more like the person that God wants you to end up being. You're becoming more and more like the image and likeness of God as you go through life. And so what, what that means is that when God made you in his image and likeness, the term in the catechism uses that he, he wants to be a co-creator with you. He wants to form you. He wants to invite you to 
work with him to like co-create you into something beautiful. And so that being the case, like um, when, uh, when God gives, uh, when, let's say, um, how would you say, when God gives you the grace to, like gives you an insight about yourself, about maybe a part of your life that's like working that you should keep up or a part of your life that is maybe not so working that might need to be improved, you, ha- uh, you have to work with him in order for you to like continue create, uh, co-creating yourself to be that person that God ultimately wants you to be, which is to be united with him in heaven. And so like, um, when you say God will take care of everything, you said, don't need to try. Like God could give, like, um, that doesn't work because like, uh, you're basically saying that, you know, God, God just give me all the grace. And then like, I'll just sit back and like, let the grace do the work on me. But, uh, how would you say one of the saints, I think it was St. Francis of Assisi, he said as like, you know, pray as if everything, uh, you know, depended on God, but then work as if everything depended on you. It's, it's like, um, when God gives you the grace, you have to take it and you have to work with it. It's like, um, how, how would you say it's like, a, uh, it was a very bad analogy. Like, um, if a kid gets like a, uh, like a, uh, if, if a kid wants to go and bake cookies, the mm-hmm. parents could give them the recipe and they could provide all the ingredients and everything for them. But if the kid doesn't get off the rear end and like, doesn't like roll up their sleeves and actually get their hands in the cookie dough and whatever else, the cookies are never going to be made. Yeah. The cookie recipe and the dough and the eggs are not the cookie. The cookie at the end is the cookie. And that can only be possible if the kid actually accepts that stuff that the parent provides and then ends up like um, working with the parent to create the thing that the parents, the stuff provided by the parents is meant to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, regarding the second one, I can take care of everything by myself so I don't need God. I think that comes about from a poor understanding of why you like um, what the point of prayer is because um, when you say I can take care of everything by myself, so I don't need God. So I don't need to pray that um, what you're basically saying, like paraphrasing is that um, because I know I can get everything done that I know well, that I need to get done in my life. Like I know, um, then I don't need to pray to uh, pray to God to help me get these things done. So basically, to them and their mentality, God's reduced to somebody who's supposed to give you stuff. Meaning that these people are most likely people that only pray because they need God to help them get an eighty percent on their exam, or God to help them get the job through the interview, or they uh, pray because uh, God's supposed to help them get better from the illness, or they pray because like God's supposed to. Like I don't know, like solve the uh, like I don't know, solve some like problem X, Y, or Z in their life type of thing. That comes from the understanding of like the prayer as just like you know getting stuff from God, but the reason why you pray, if you go back to that original catechism meaning of you know co- of co-creating, like I'm working with God and then yourself being co-created is something beautiful. The whole the the reason why you pray then is not so much to get stuff from God, but it's actually discover. What God wants, uh, what God wants from you, moment by moment in your day-to-day transformation, to become more and more like Him. Like that's the whole point of prayer. Like, that's the whole point of like sitting, uh, sitting down, letting God love you and you love God. It's just to really know what beautiful thing God has in store for you for the next minute or the next moment in your life, such uh, such that you know you can allow yourself to be slowly transformed into the beautiful being that God wants you to be at the end. So it's like a. Uh, yeah, so like if your understanding of prayer is that, and w- w- which me, uh, which entails like you know, 
just spending time with God because you love him, then there's, you don't really need to, uh, then the whole thing of like, I can take care of myself. So I don't need to pray to God or whatever else. Someone just like, it just flies out the window because that's just a very, it's, it, the question just becomes like irrelevant. If you, if you understand like the original meaning of prayer is just to really discover what God wants, um, what God has in store for you in your life and what you should, and what you need to do next. Yeah, actually, I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think that one of the good ways that I found to make prayer more personal is just to think of God as like a parent. Because um, like, especially when you were mentioning co-creating, Jeremy, I was thinking back um, to when I was a kid, uh, I would like play with like Lego with my dad. And we would be like, in a way, it would be like co-creating. Like when I was younger, like my dad was like, like, I look, like I looked up to my dad a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he was able to do so many things. Um, he was able to build. He's like way smarter than I was when I was a kid. Um, and I guess it's kind of like, yeah, I guess my dad could build the whole Lego model by him, like by himself. But like, I wouldn't get anything out of it. And then on the other hand, maybe I could build it all by myself. But then at the same time, we wouldn't be developing our relationship together. Mm-hmm. And I guess like a lot of people, they focus on either end like either they just you know oh i just want to get the lego model done so maybe i'll just let my dad do it or i just want to get the lego model done so i'll do it but at the end of the day it's like it's not the lego model that's important it's the relationship that you forge between you know parent and parent Mm -hmm. and child like father and son so yeah i think like a lot of people they've kind of lost sight of that and they only see like what they can get out of it right like can I get my dad to do all the hard work for me so I don't have to work or can I do all the work so I don't need my dad? And then like when you look at these things in like a more personal way, it kind of makes sense that like, you know, we shouldn't like, we don't treat humans like this or when we do, we kind of know it's wrong, but then yeah. for some reason when we see God in, in that same way, we, we don't realize that it's wrong until you look at it in these like personal terms. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I have another question. Um, what are some wrong ideas that you used to have about prayer? Um, and what are some wrong ideas that many people have? I think as um, mentioned earlier in high school, I had the very wrong conception that prayer is, you know, on your end, you have to do an X. You have it's uh, prayer is very much cause and effect, meaning that if I do X number of this, then I, I then like i guess like a the result why would end up happening so like if i say like this many hail marys then i will get a 70 percent of my test or something like that but it's uh it's a very wrong notion of prayer because um how would you say i think people today in today's like 21st century culture it has become very humanist and individualistic meaning that everyone thinks that what matters in life is, is like a, if they apply this into a situation, then a result, a, this particular result has to happen. It, it's, it, um, it's very like, you know, turned towards our own personal efforts and like what we can do to get something for ourselves. But what they teach us at seminary is that that's not the case. God's not a vending machine that you can just press buttons on and like, you know, get your can of Coke. Like, um, it's not us that's a master of prayer. God is a master of prayer. And what that means is that if you're, a pr- if you're in prayer right now and 
God wants to reveal himself to you, he'll reveal himself to you. It's totally up to him. And if God at this moment in prayer wants to, you know, be a little bit more hidden with his consolations, then that's totally up to him. So like in prayer, um, how would you say, uh, it's not so much about like ratting off as many, like, you know, particular words or devotions or whatever as possible to get a particular result. Like, uh, like if God wants to grant the request of your prayer, if God wants to make himself known to you in this prayer period, you'll do so. And if he doesn't, it's not if, like it's not part of his will at the moment, he won't. And there's nothing you can really do about that because that's him. It's just like, a, you know, like a human person. Like, you know, if like um, I was dating someone right now and uh, how would you say uh, she, uh, if she, if she, if she really wanted to like, you know, share everything like wonderful that's going on in her life, then she'll share everything that's wonderful going on in her life. But if like there's a day where she feels absolutely crabby, then like that's, she feels absolutely crabby. There's nothing I can do about it except you just accept it. Right. And that's the same thing with God. So um, it's a very wrong notion that to think that, you know, I, I could do, if I do this bunch of things, I'll get like this. And I think like um, it slightly overlaps onto the next misconception that I've noticed a lot of people have about prayer. A lot of people think a good prayer experience is like uh, you it's getting an emotional high. But the problem with that is that they start um, thinking that uh, they, they start worshiping the emotional high instead of worshiping God. Um, one, uh, one great, Je- uh, one, I think one Jesuit uh, saint, I forgot which one it was. He noted, he, he basically asked a question. Um, it's like, uh, do you worship the consolations of God or do you worship the God of consolations? Like when I go into prayer, it's nice when consolations come, but your life is not made, but your life is not made to like, you know, run on consolations. Like reality is you're going to be consoled in some moments and in some moments you're not going to experience any. And like, that's just totally up to God in prayer. If he wants to grant you consolation, so be it. If he doesn't, then so be it. So um, prayer is not like a bunch of emotional highs as well. Uh, I think another wrong notion people have about prayer is that they assume that prayer is something very uh, similar to um, Eastern type of religion, type of meditation, meaning that like uh, if you um, like cross your legs, uh, you have to clear your mind and stuff like that, uh, uh, just uh, uh, just so that you can like um, focus on some type of like uh, and like uh, repeat a mantra to like um, uh, discover some like type of energy that's out there or something or so. Um, once again, that like that idea of like a meditation and prayer or whatever else. That's very um, individualistic, and that's uh, that's the very humanist thing, thinking that you know all the effort is on you. But uh, once again, that that's uh, a failure to recognize that God's the master and God's the initiator of the prayer experience. So, like, um, there are techniques in the Catholic tradition for prayer to help you, let's say, be more disposed and open to like, um, how would you say, notice God when he decides, when he wants to reveal himself. But uh, unlike Eastern traditions, there's, there's, not, there's not like a prescribed set of techniques that you end up doing that turn God on or turn God off. Like the, East, the Eastern understanding of prayer, like um, uh, it's very much to like, if you do steps A, B, C, and D, you'll flick a, it flicks the light switch and God is turned on and you'll experience him. Uh, but then the, the Catholic tradition is not that. The Catholic tradition is that, you know, you know there's some things you can do to uh, make yourself more in, like open to whatever God wants to do. And that's all you can do. The rest of it's really up to him. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When, I, when you're saying that, I was thinking back to like, back when I was playing Lego with my dad. And I remember that, like, this is probably one of my earliest memories. Like I remember I was having so much fun. And then all of a sudden my dad is like, oh wait, I need to look after your younger sister. Because back then, like my younger sister was like a baby. Mm. And he just left abruptly. And I was like left alone. I remember I was like so like mad. 
was like, wait, you're leaving me alone? Like, like screw my younger sister. She can take care of herself. So you were saying that, um, like, like saying that uh, when, when you were talking about like how, you know, we do certain things in order to get God's attention. And then, you know, if I pray 10 Hail Marys, then God will give us 10 Hail Marys worth of graces. Kind of reminds me of that because like, you know that like, I guess in our regular relationships with other humans, we know that like sometimes the things that we do for other people, they're noticed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do get the benefits from our efforts, but other times like, and we, you know, just for whatever reason, we might not get noticed and you might not get that benefit. But, you know, like it's always like you kind of open yourself up to the other person and whatever happens, it's kind of like, that's just the way things are. And like, I guess it, it helps also to like look at God as a father because then, you know, once you, like sometimes when you want to get the attention of your parents, especially when you're a kid, like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But at the end of the day, like the parent still has your best interest in mind. Like you can't expect your parent to always give you attention because, you know, they know that will spoil you, right? Like you can't just constantly shield your child away from um, like uh, from like discomfort because that won't make them turn out to be the good person in the end. So, yeah. Oh yeah, and then uh, I think what you're saying, you're saying that. Um, wait, what was the other? Oh yeah, the consolation. Yeah, like, uh, like you can also see that in like dating relationships too, right? Like a oh, dating yeah. relationship which is only based on that emotional high, like it's not sustainable because at certain times, like some like terrible thing might happen, and then you know, the two of you might no longer feel that high, and then. like what do you why are you still here right like why would you still stick together if you know you're not having that high anymore so and i think that a lot of people realize that right but then for some reason it's like no longer applied to god okay so now that it were how many weeks are we in to lent like two weeks i guess well today was the second sunday of lent yeah so I guess, like, for whoever is struggling with prayer, do you have any, like, advice or tips? I would say tip number one is that prayer, like, because, like, prayer, like, it's just supposed to be the way you allow God to love you and the way you allow yourself to love God back. Um, personal prayer is, like, um, the, uh, is, in a sense, like, totally up to you and what you end up doing. Like, don't feel pressured um, by what people say, like, you know, um, prayer has to be, you say a rosary, prayer has to be, you say divine mercy, or prayer has to be, you read scripture, meditation, whatever else. Because if you think about it, um, all of us are God's children, right? And if you have a sibling or cousins or something like that, you notice that your parents do not interact with your brother or sister the same way they interact with you. It's just because the, it's the, the way you are made. You respond to different types of, like, you know, problems or different communications or different things, like, you know, make you tick and different things don't make you tick it's the same thing with god and you regarding prayer for some people they really experience god profoundly when they let's say the rosary and for other people they experience god extremely profoundly just by sitting in silence and like for myself when i was in university um uh whenever like uh, some uni students ask like what my prayer life is like i said like honestly my prayer life is just when i'm walking along across queen's park i'm just like enjoying like the sun the bird song like the families and kids are running around and they're just like, well, that's not prayers on our father. He'll be right. But like, yeah, that is a prayer. That's how I connect with God. 
So like, uh, it, it's whatever way you allow God to love you and whatever way you allow God to love, um, allow, allow yourself to love God back. Um, that, that being said, that's for personal prayer. Like, um, there are some things that God has revealed in his church, uh, such as, you know, like mass and like confession, whatever else, those things you can't really negotiate on. If that's how God has decreed that he wants to reach, uh, reach you guys and give his graces through the sacraments, then you better meet him there. It's almost like, uh, how, like, uh, it's almost like, uh, how would you say it? Like, uh, if your boss tells you that he's going to, um, reach you on Sundays by this particular phone number at this particular time, like your phone better be on at that particular time or else like, you know, when he tries calling and you're not on, uh, they'll like screw over like whatever, that would screw over like your relationship with him and then, and you know, that, like that type of thing. So like, I'm um, for like mass, like stuff like mass and confession and like the things that the church says, you know, you have to do, then keep those. You, you definitely need it. But like for your personal prayer life, like what you do in the morning or in the evening with God or whatever else, it's totally flexible. And that like, whatever, however you reach God, so be it. And it's different from person to person. The second uh, piece of advice to give for, a prayer when it comes to the Lenten season is that um, if you, let's say, haven't come from a strong prayer life before, start off bits, it's like start off bit in pieces at a time. Like in all honesty, like if, if you just, if you made the resolution that I'm suddenly going to pray like an hour every single day when you've only prayed like nothing previously, it's not going to work. You're going to become very discouraged within like a day or two just because like the commitment is just because like your heart has, you haven't allowed your heart to be formed to actually like love uh, spending time with Christ in prayer. So that at the time that you force to do prayer ends up becoming a slog instead of actually becoming something fruitful. So like it's a uh, prayer is like a discipline that's built up bit by bit, like all good things, like um, let's say working out or whatever else that stuff is built up bit by bit. So start off like slowly. The other thing with prayer life, I guess maybe the last tip is that um, it's not so much the quality of the prayer that counts, but it's rather the fact that you show up when you say you're going to pray. Like, um, like uh, how would you say, um, I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that, you know, when they go on youth retreats, like, you know, once every single year, like GT or something, they think that, you know, that is a, you know, they think that, that that's a very great prayer experience because like there's all these emotional highs and whatever else. And then they don't pray again after the GT. And they, yeah, they don't pray again after GT. And that's not a very solid prayer life in any way at all. It's because you're only like connecting yourself with God once and you're really relying on a ton of grace in one flashpoint moment, like emotions and whatever else. Um, a lot of spiritual uh, masters and spiritual writers, spiritual directors and saints, they always say that um, what matters in God's eyes the most is that you, uh, in your, when you're starting a prayer life, is that you show the heck up to the time that you said you're going to pray. Because like love is not defined by feelings. Love is defined by, tr- uh, a lo- uh, love is defined by choice, the choices that you make. Like, uh, Sometimes you'll feel great when you like, let's say you set um, your prayer time every single day to be between like seven to seven thirty in the morning. Some mornings you'll feel great and you'll want to do the seven to seven thirty, and some mornings you're going to feel terrible and you definitely don't want to do the seven to seven thirty in the morning. But true love is show is demonstrated by showing up at seven to seven thirty, no matter how you feel every single morning, because that just shows Christ that you know, no, uh, no matter how I feel at this moment, I'm putting you first. And that's just what love is supposed to be like. Like, um, I think going back, Lyndon, to like your analogy that you gave about like feelings and like a dating relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how would you say if you and your girlfriend, um, uh, like, uh, I'll always talk like every, like every single Friday night from like nine to ten o'clock, and something that you and that's a, that's a very valuable part of your dating relationship, for instance, right? Um, then 
some days you're going to be super excited talking between nine and 10 and some days you really couldn't care less because like, you know, a ton of like crap has happened in your life. But like what's meaningful to her is that you still put her first and you show up at nine o'clock, even though you're like absolutely crappy, like, you know, you feel like terrible and like, um, and God being more infinitely loving than, you know, what girlfriend can be, you'll under totally understand the not, I don't feel like praying feeling that you bring into the prayer experience. So I was just say those three tips. So I guess just, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just say those three tips. So just to rehash, pray in what way you connect best to God, like allow him to love you and you to love him back. Number two is like start off small bits and pieces and then build, build it into something bigger over time. Take it slow. And then the last bit of advice is um, uh, is consistency. Is a consistency that matters. Um, because I, uh, how would you say, um, when you're consistent, you're still con- uh, you still allow yourself to be connected to God every single day. When you're inconsistent, there are days where you're not connected to God. That's when the devil will start warming himself in. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. I think, like, especially when I'm talking with my girlfriend, like, we do it, like, every single day. And sometimes, like, I just don't feel like it. But at the end of it, like, when I actually start talking to her, it feels like sometimes, you know, you're, like, super tired, you're super stressed. But, um I think it binds us closer when we're just honest about it, like instead of hiding it and like pretending everything is fine. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's what a lot of people, I guess like a lot of people come to God when they're either super happy or super sad. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but just sometimes when um, things aren't especially dramatic, people tend not to pray. And that's, and that's where I guess people start drifting away from God. Like God is kind of like um, some kind of last resort. or like someone to celebrate with Mm -hmm. um but then yeah like that's definitely how i guess the devil brings people away from god it's kind of like um when you're in a long distance relationship and like the you know like the the two people aren't communicating with each other then you know like that day that you know they they forgot to communicate with each other becomes like a week becomes a month and then all of a sudden they kind of forget why they were in a relationship in the first place. And then they break up. And yep, that's a great analogy for yeah. it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like you, you kind of, um, I think like from personal experience, like the people who stick together in long distance relationships, they have to constantly communicate with each other. And I guess like a lot of us know that, but still, you know, when we get tired, like we say, Oh, you know, it's not time for prayer. It's kind of like we haven't prioritized God. Oh, maybe one more tip for prayer. Uh, this this actually regards, regards back the previous questions. Like, um, what are some wrong ideas that you used to have about prayer? Uh, this is a question that a lot of students ask, and it's like, um, in prayer, my mind is often very distracted. So, how do I clear my mind of like any distracted thoughts um, before I end up praying so I can focus on Christ? Um, my advice to you is that. If your mind's distracted and going to different directions, let that be your prayer to God. Like, like let's say if you're sitting, kneeling in front of the tabernacle, and then like um suddenly like your thoughts are flying over to like your math exam tomorrow, or start is flying over to like the date you're supposed to have like this evening, or is flying over to like random like totally random stuff like Netflix or like Game of Thrones or like Star Wars or something like that. Then just talk about that with God, because I, the pro, the the danger with starting to try to force everything out of your mind is that you, have, you notice where your locus of focus is now trained. It's no longer focused on God. It's only focused on you. 
So you end up like spending like 45 minutes trying to focus on yourself and now try to get get the thought out of your mind. And God's standing in front of you going like, buddy, I'm right over here. So like uh, whenever, let's say, um, you have distracted thoughts or something in prayer, just use that as like fodder for like your conversation with Christ. And it's, to- it's totally okay. It's totally cool. Like, you know, when you're going, when you're speaking with a friend, like it's not like you guys are like constantly trying to like concentrate on like clearing your mind so you can hear the other person better. It's, like, it's just whatever, like random, like, whatever is coming to your mind that's what you end up talking about that's what friendship is right and then like and then gradually the more fodder and whatever you talk about you start be, uh, you guys start real, um, realizing you have connections at a certain level and then the conversation just naturally ends up drifting to something deeper uh, that just happens right and the same thing with god like in the beginning we have a ton of distracted thoughts just talk your distracted thoughts with god and then gradually the more um, when you talk them over with him, you start to realize that you're starting, you're going to slowly drift over into more silence and you're going to start drifting over to something a little bit more meatier and a little bit heavier, a bit more intimate. And that, that's just like the natural course of things. And so like, you know, if like, don't bother trying to like cancel all those like distracting thoughts out of your mind, it's just not going to work. Cool. Thanks, Jeremy. Hey, thank you, Lyndon. That's all we have for today's episode. If you would like a refresher about the things that Jeremy suggested for prayer, um, please check out our show notes. And join us again next week when we'll talk about Lent, about giving, about gifts, and how we treat gifts and the giver. Until next time, bye-bye. Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all. But lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall. Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see But your soul you must keep totally free Ha, ha.